0: It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies, the worst of which, Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV, and you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, DACE. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to crtv.com and sign up today. Levin Malkinstein, all for $89 a year. If you go to crtv.com today and use the promo code DACE. And greetings, happy Monday, it's a big week here on the Steve Dace Show, it is my last week of the year, that's right, getting down to the end, then it's my annual trip into the basement for two weeks, Dace Family Man Cave, where I will not shave, sparsely shower, and... uh, enjoy uh, some good holiday family time, getting recharged before we come back again in January. Now, we always end with a year-end show. This year, though, the show is bigger than it's ever been before, so so will the year-end show. We're going to blow it up. It's going to be actually a two-part year-end show, so Thursday and Friday will be our special uh, two-part year-end programs, and then we'll have uh, a mixture of best ofs. Uh We'll have the the day show crew filling in. Uh, Shannon Joy, who is a uh, a really good talk show host from upstate New York, uh, is going to be filling in a couple of days for us over the holiday as well. So I've got senioritis, guys. I got to admit this. All right, I'm I love what I do for a living, but I'm looking at that calendar. If you know what I'm saying, uh, realizing I got four more days before it is it's a slovenly mess at my house. So. I'm going to need you guys to keep me motivated for the next uh, for the for this final week cuz I'm I'm ready to mail it in. I'm ready I'm ready for Christmas. I'm ready to begin. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. It's D E A C E like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Show. I want to begin with something I'm not surprised to see but I would have liked to have been I would have liked to have been surprised not to see it. I have enjoyed these last few months as an independent. I I mean, I have. I really have. And I guess I didn't realize it until I officially gave up the ghost. Because I never really fancied myself one for tribalism to begin with. But without without the magic R, I am noticing I'm not really defending anything. I don't want to defend. And I didn't really get the sense I did that a lot anyway, but I must have done it to some degree, just not even aware of it subconsciously, because I do feel like there is this massive millstone that's been taken off my neck or at the very least, if I didn't defend the things that were indefensible, I, I, I maybe looked the other way or just thought, well, I don't agree with that, but I'm going to let that go right now. We'll talk about something else. I'm, I don't, I don't really feel the need to do that. You know, I told everybody in the election, you guys should go out and vote your conscience. I didn't, think he had a moral obligation to vote for either one of these candidates. That being said, I've also been very clear, for the most part, what we've seen from the Trump administration is is far better than what we would have gotten out of Hillary Clinton. We've all said that. But I but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't change the moral dilemma that was this election, which is beginning to reemerge with the looming Secretary of State pick, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes with weekend news and views. But but I have really enjoyed just not being a part of America's political duopoly. I've enjoyed it, just being a free agent. And after what I've seen this weekend, I, I may not return to the duopoly anytime soon. Because i watched many Democrats who said Romney wasn't qualified to be commander-in-chief. Do you guys remember this four years ago? I do. Because of him pointing out the threat that Putin and Russia were. They laughed at him. They mocked him. And now those exact same le- leftists who mocked Romney are now saying Russian meddling is why Hillary lost. As, as if Putin is why Hillary never campaigned in Wisconsin. As if Putin is the reason Hillary established her own private email server and then tried to lie about it and cover it up for a couple of years. I mean, blaming Russian meddling for losing the election is like blaming cigarette companies for your lung cancer. Did anybody ever put a gun to your head and say, smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette? Did you ever do it under threat to you or your being or a loved one? No. Well, then whose fault is it? Oh, I know. Yours. However, as we like to point out on this show, the laws of philosophy dictate that for one side's assertion to be true, well, so must the other side. And so while I know a lot of people in my line of work have enjoyed pointing out the left's hypocrisy on this Russian thing, there's enough hypocrisy to go around. Because now many on the right, who backed Romney's prescient warnings four years ago about Russia, are now largely silent. When it's been clear for months that Trump is a Putin fanboy. I mean, we have have seen Trump equivocate, alterate, fabricate on every conceivable issue imaginable. Except one. There, there is one issue I, that, that he has never shown anything but complete resolve. Russia and Putin. But now that Trump's a Putin fanboy, a lot of people on the right who thought Romney was exactly right on four years ago. Nothing. Crickets. It appears the Secretary of State that he may nominate tomorrow. Seen in photos, toasting Vladimir Putin. Boy, could you imagine, gentlemen, If could you imagine what what talk radio in our industry before we came on tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern, can you imagine what all of the shows before we came on the air tonight would have been like the Monday after pictures of Hillary had won and her Secretary of State nominee, there were photos of, of him or her toasting Vladimir Putin. Can you imagine just... You know what, just pick a show on before we're on at 9 o'clock. Do you know what would be going on in conservative talk radio until we got on the air tonight?
3: As Dan Patrick says, en fuego. Indeed. <laughs>
4: Nuclear explosions passion, all around.
0: Passion buckets would be dispensed, Mr. Patrick, yes. All over the radio dial, indeed. In fact, we'd be sitting here before we got on the air at 9 o'clock thinking, we should talk about something else. There's really nothing else to say about this. Everybody's kind of gone off.
3: It's just charged cinders now. Exactly. Totally burnt. There's
0: nothing to add. And then there are the sheeple on both sides, who just simply switch back and forth based on where their guys currently stand, with, with no regard for what is objectively true, what is good for the country, no regard at all. None. And, and, and I've had some people say, well, Steve, there's plenty of Democrats, Paul Bagala and others are coming out and saying, hey, they were wrong, they owe Mitt Romney an apology, this is something that should be investigated. You know, Why don't you give them credit for that? Okay, let's, let's say they're being sincere where that's concerned. Who's the president of the United States right now, guys? Barack, Barack Obama. Obama. Yeah. And he's going to be president here for more than another month. till January 17th. So if they were sincere in thinking that Romney got a raw deal and they owe him an apology. And if this matter is so pressing that it must be looked into. So why don't they just go on CNN and MSNBC and write the op-ed saying to President Obama... Look into this. Investigate this. Have Loretta Lynch in your Justice Department take a look at this. Your State Department ought to be looking at this. He's the President of the United States right now. So if they're sincere, suddenly, you know, somewhere in the bowels of hell, Ted Kennedy's like, man, if I'd have known that Reagan's old party was going to love Russia this much, I realized I was just a man ahead of my time. But but where where's all these lefties now? I mean, Obama's going to be president, guys, for more than another month. That's plenty of time to at least give us some initial uh, some initial prima facie evidence that this is going on, wouldn't you think? That's why I don't really trust really any of them. And then those of you that are just the sheeple that just sit there watching the cable news network with with your preferred talking points I'm looking at some polling data that shows just people's positions on WikiLeaks. In 2013, Democrats, 31% had a favorable view. Republicans, only 13% had a favorable view. Now Republicans, 61% have a favorable view. Did did WikiLeaks stop being an anti-American enterprise run by a guy who's a rapist since 2013? Has that stopped? No? No. Then what's changed? Oh, I know! It's an anti-American enterprise run by a rapist who's leaking embarrassing stuff about our political opponents. That's what's changed. So it's okay now!
3: Until he starts leaking it about you. Then maybe not. But did you see Fiorina's change of tune on Trump? Now that she's being interviewed for an intelligence job? and She basically called him cancer. Now she says it, it, it takes a champion to know a champion or something along those
4: Todd, lines. Todd, Todd, we're supposed to be motivating him this week. That's not motivating me, Todd. Oh, it's motivating You wouldn't me, like right. me when I'm
3: angry. I'm yeah. going in
0: a different direction. Yes, just not a direction that you would prefer, no.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. The Bible and the Constitution don't just apply to Democrats. This is Steve Dace.
0: All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to some weekend news and views. And just to set up the topic that's going to lead us off here tonight, Aaron. We may be on the verge of history. Only nine times in the history of our nation, not counting withdrawals. Only nine times has a president's cabinet appointment not been confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Only nine. It has not happened since 1989, when President George Herbert Walker Bush nominated John Tower to be the head of uh, the Secretary of Defense, and then his alcoholism and uh, other issues came about, and he was voted down. Prior to that, 1959... The end of the Eisenhower administration when he was a lame duck and he appointed a commerce secretary who had a bad relationship with the Senate. That's the last time prior to 1989 it happened. But given the way Trump's potential secretary of state nomination, which he says he's going to announce tomorrow, given the way this story is trending, we may be looking at history in the making.
4: It would certainly seem like that. It looks like Donald Trump is in uh, some uh, deep, uh, deep doo-doo right now as far as this news goes. We'll start with that. Rex Tillerson, uh, here's some background on this guy. He's the chief executive of Exxon Mobil, whose extensive deal-making for the energy giant has uh, plunged him into global politics from Yemen to Russia. He's expected to be offered the secretary of state position. Uh, and uh, might have been by president elect Donald Trump, according to people close to Mr. Trump's uh, transition team. Mr. Tillerson has close ties with uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia, whom he has known for more than two decades. Russia awarded Mr. Tillerson its order of friendship in 2013, the year before Washington's relationship with Moscow, sank into a deep freeze over Russia's annexation of Crimea and its shadow war in eastern Ukraine. Relations with Russia have grown only more troubled since American intelligence agencies formally determined shortly after the November elections that Russia had taken steps intended to help Mr. Trump win. Mr. Tillerson, with no background in diplomacy outside the energy arena, would inherit some of those problems. It also faced the question of whether to maintain sanctions on Russia, penalties he's criticized for slowing Exxon's investments in that country. His connections to Russia are sure to come under scrutiny as they already are during the Senate uh, confirmation hearing. uh, Senator John McCain, uh, among other Republicans, said uh, earlier this weekend that Mr. Tillerson's ties to Mr. Putin were a matter of concern to me. I'd have to examine it, he told Fox News, adding that Vladimir Putin is a thug, bully, and murderer, and anybody close to him who describes him as anything else is lying. Mr. Tillerson's success in business... Gives him some major credential with Mr. Trump, who values that background, along with loyalty above other traits. He'd be one of several wealthy business executives in top administration jobs in Trump's cabinet. As I take a look at this, I don't see any
0: upside to this nomination. I I don't see what's in it for Donald Trump let alone the country. And and when I look at the cabinet he has assembled thus far, it makes a lot of sense. That doesn't mean I agree with all the appointments. I don't. But I've said from the beginning the three I was the most I thought were the most important were state, defense, justice. The defense and justice appointments are home runs. We'll see tomorrow when they make their announcement for state whether this will be or not. If it's Tillerson it will not be for reasons that you just heard Aaron articulate, which I'll get more into here in a moment. But but even, you know, I, I get putting Elaine Chao, Mitch McConnell's wife, I get putting her in there. Obviously, she's got an in if you need to get something done, right? I I get the Goldman Sachs guys, and there's another one today that we'll talk about in the later in the hour. I get all of that. Because, frankly, if you're Donald Trump, you know that whatever portion of your base bought into that lowbrow Alex Jones conspiracy crap, that you could literally slap their mamas on camera and lie to them right in their face. And they'll be there Tru-! screaming Trump tomorrow. They're just nitwits. Cultish nitwits. So I mean you can lie to those people, stab in the back, whatever you need to do, you can do that. They're, they're gonna vote for you anyway, because that's what cults do. So you don't know those people anything. So if, if you think those people can help you, if they if if putting them in your administration Gets rid of criticism from a certain wing of the political establishment. That makes that makes political sense again. Whether I morally agree with it or ideologically agree with it may not be the same as whether I think it makes political sense by some form of strategy. It makes they, he's made some shrewd picks, and you can almost sense that the Bannon wing and the right wing, when you look at these appointments, you can almost sense there's this sort of. Eenie meenie miny, mo, catch a tiger by his toe, right? All right, Reince gets this guy, then we give this guy. You know, Reince gets commerce, Bannon gets justice. You can almost sense that because because there, because there, there's a there's a motley crew of people here that don't necessarily have a lot of the same ideological leanings. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you can almost sense that he that this is classic CEO utilitarianism. He's splitting the baby in half. Whether it'll work or not now remains to be seen. That we don't know, but it, but. Politically, you can follow his stream of thought and it makes some sense. This one doesn't make any sense. I mean, the the idea of putting a guy whose biggest claim to fame is winning a friendship medal from one of the world's foremost gangster despotic tyrants... As the head of your State Department, that's not four-dimensional chess. That's not um, outwit, outsmart, outlast. That's that's grab them by their ear and saying it on camera to Billy Bush. That's, that's where a guy who has a certain amount of hutzpah, when it becomes unbridled, gets reckless, and we have seen this in his life. There's a seven. He's seventy years old. There's a record of this. That's why he's had scandals. He's had bankruptcies, nasty, messy divorces, embarrassing moments caught on camera. And th- this, this, this—he could get somebody with this profile and doesn't have a friendship medal from the former head of the KGB and. Still, whatever, whatever he thinks this is going to accomplish, he could still get it accomplished. This is a, this is a reckless political decision, and, and he is wasting valuable political capital on this. Political capital that people like me and you, many of you listening to this tonight, are going to want him to use on something far more useful to us himself in the country later on. I'm telling you right now, this guy is not going to get confirmed if he nominates him. He'll, I don't believe he'll ever be Secretary of State. I think they'll have to withdraw the nomination or I think it'll be voted down because there's there's still a lot of people for varying reasons who have an interest in weakening Donald Trump's presidency from the outset. I mean, I don't know what Mitch McConnell was doing today. Did you guys see that act? Let's talk about that. when We get back because I had to I had to rub my eyes. I'm like. That ditch? Is that ditch up there digging his heels in, taking a stand on something? We'll talk more about that and what that may mean when we come back.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. This is Steve Dace.
0: Some flipping some channels to earlier today, and I see Mitch McConnell. I'm like, is that a Ditch? Holding a press conference, the Senate Majority Leader saying, We are absolutely going to look into the Russian meddling in our election despite what Trump is saying, we're going to look into it. And no, we're not going to be rubber stamping a trillion dollar infrastructure pork package that we can't afford.
2: Uh...
0: <laughs> because I signed off on way too many of Obama's schemes and we can't afford another one. So I'm watching this and I'm like, Wow, puberty—it's not just for teenagers anymore. Somebody's manhood just happened, right? Then I realized this year can't end soon enough because I'm now watching myself strangely enamored and 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 cheerful at what McConnell is saying. He's my—he's our watchdog. No, let me tell you what I think is happening here what's happening here is the system wants an opportunity to remind Donald Trump of where the real power lies and i'm and i'm and and i'm sure he has made several of these squishy cabinet aff- appointments in an attempt to assuage the system that won't be good enough And so here he's going to nominate maybe tomorrow. Now, if I were advising Donald Trump, what I would tell him to do is come out tomorrow, and say we're going to have we're going to put off the search, or we're going, to, we're going to put off an announcement while we continue the search. We get the best Secretary of State there is. Hell, I still may even nominate Rex Tillerson. But I want to. We're going to. We're going to. There's no need to be in a hurry. We're going to take our time. I don't know where the media got this story. I was nominating this guy anyway. They just made the whole thing up. Even though you said on Fox you were going to do it, it doesn't matter. You lie to people all the time. They're used to it. Just do it again. Just lie again. Um, It's all fake news, media scam, lie, biased media, New York Times going bankrupt, and Jeff Bezos is gay. Whatever, you know, all that stuff he typically says. Just say it again. Right? Just do it again. And you're, you know, they'll lap it up, right? And, you know, Fox and Friends will have you on tomorrow. It'll be great. Because this nomination, no, I am not advocating this level of duplicity and morality. I'm just in recognition that that's the way our government's going to be operating for the next four years. So I can't do it. Can you do something about it? Those of you who are thumbing your noses at what I'm saying, I, I, I try to do something about it. Majority of Americans decided they wanted to do it this way. So this is how we're going to do business. I'm not empowered to stop it. So I'm not advocating that we do business this way. I'm just saying this is the way it's going to be done. So lie back and enjoy it. It's how it's going down. Nothing we can do about it. This is how he operates. And thankfully, every now and then, in the middle of operating like that, he makes some decisions we actually like. Because the other person was going to operate like this, too, and then make no decisions that we (laughs) So This was a hell of a position we found ourselves in. Right? This nomination is putting his head on a platter. Because... The thing about Trump's nominations in the past that certain factions didn't like, it didn't unite any disparate factions together, right? So if, if you're the, if you're the global warming cult, Scott Pruitt's, Scott Pruitt's uh, nomination for EPA, you don't like it, but it doesn't, it doesn't unite you with another group that empowers you to get to, to draw blood from Donald Trump. Let's say Trump had nominated Bob Corker, who many conservatives like me can't stand. But it would have just been us, right? It, it wouldn't have been us and Mitch McConnell against Bob Corker. It wouldn't have been us and the left against Bob Corker, Iran's favorite se- Republican senator. You know what I'm trying to say? The, this, is why, this, is why there, this is why there's been some politically shrewd nominations. Because even the bad ones that he has made isolate one group of detractors rather than uniting them with another. So if you didn't, if you don't like the Goldman Sachs guys, well then you're just that, you know, the the Steve Bannon anti-globalist conspiracy, Alex Jones nut. That doesn't unite you with the 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 Mitch McConnell's of the world or the 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 or the the lefts of the world. You know what I'm trying to say? This one does. This is a nomination that will unite all of the disparate factions against Trump. You already had a letter over the weekend between, I think it was uh, Lindsey Graham, John McCain, and Chuck Schumer. Right. you got Marco Rubio coming in on this now, too. Only takes three Republicans to say no. Only three. This is now where a lot of people who really don't agree with each other on a lot. But, if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. Right now, they can get into bed together. Because they have, a, uh, they have the same goal, which is knock you down a couple of britches. Remind you of the order of things, Mr. Trump. And so you got Mitch McConnell standing up there in a flannel shirt looking like he just came in from a hunting trip. Holding the pressure today, wow, pounding the lectern. We're, we're going to investigate Russia. We're not going to do all this big government stuff because we've already been doing it for Obama the last year. This isn't about any of that. This is about who has the power. This is the first time Donald Trump has made a political miscalculation. And he is now going to unite the various factions aligned against him. And waste political capital you would like him to spend later on. This is a fight he cannot win. He should just let it go.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. To have all the answers, but you do have to know where to find them. The Steve Day Show.
0: All right, back here on The Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to one more headline. And this is another Goldman
4: Sachs appointment to the Trump administration, Aaron. That's correct. Uh, President-elect Trump uh, tapped Goldman Sachs executive Gary Cohn on Monday to be director of the National Economic Council, saying his emphasis will be uh, include uh, boosting wages and correcting the impact of bad trade agreements. As my talk, uh, economic advisor Gary Cohn is going to put his talents as a highly successful businessman to work for the American people. In a statement Trump continued to say, he will help to craft economic policies that will grow wages for our workers, stop the exodus of jobs overseas, and create many great new opportunities for Americans who have been struggling. In his statement, statement uh, Cohn said he is honored by the appointment and that he shares Trump's vision of making sure every American worker has a secure place in a thriving economy. The National Economic Council is the domestic equivalent of the National Security Council for all intents and purposes. Cohn is the third Goldman Sachs veteran on Trump's administrative team. He joins senior advisor Steve Bannon and Treasury Secretary nominee Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> A couple of things about this.
0: Number one, uh, I, I didn't buy into this in the primary. I don't buy into it now. The Goldman Sachs Globalist. as boogeyman, I, I hated that crap during the primary, and I, I hope, that I really insulted those of you who were peddling this last winter and spring? I really hope so. Um, and if I didn't insult you, then I wasn't condescending and patronizing enough. And for that, I apologize because you're seriously a netwit. All right. That being said, while I am perfectly fine with this appointment, tell me who knows more about wealth generation and perpetuation from America's private sector than those who come from a place like Goldman Sachs. Tell me who knows more. Do you know anybody that knows more? Neither do I. Not at that level. Not at that level. And managing the wealth of others, for that matter, beyond what you generate and perpetuate yourself, but managing the wealth that others generate and perpetuate. They're in some pretty elite company, wouldn't you say? That being said, though, here's here's the thing about this story I am bothered by. I'm not bothered by this appointment. I bet you this guy's got an excellent track record. What bothers me is that many of you listening to me right now aren't bothered. That bothers me. See, I I knew this was all a scam all along. I told you for months this was a scam. All this anti-globalist stuff he's telling you was all a lie. It's all a scam. You're being conned. How many times did I say this on the air? Every night. And you you guys got pissed at me every single night for telling you this. I'm not bringing this up to say, see, I told you so. Because this isn't Trump's fault. It's yours. It's your fault. All a businessman did was, I, I need to sell some widgets. And in this case, the widgets be my candidacy. How do I get you to buy my, how do, what? what marketing message do you want to hear from me? So that you will buy my product. And you know what you told him? You told him this was the message that you wanted. So he sold it to you. Don't blame him for selling you what you wanted. Blame yourself that this was the message you wanted him to sell you. And now, again, this is the same kind of government you would have gotten with Jeb Bush. Arguably the two most important economic positions in the cabinet go to Goldman Sachs guys. Because Henry Paulson wasn't available, I'm guessing, right? So where where are all you nitwits who were screaming Goldman Sachs at Heidi Cruz at the convention? Where are you people? Where are you troglodytes? Single-celled organisms, where are you? In fact, I'm not mad at Trump for lying to you guys. I'm giving him a helmet sticker. Because fools like you that are this lowbrow, this uninformed, this low information, this hypocritical, you deserve to be scammed by con men like Trump. You had it coming. Props to him for sniffing you out. You know they're laughing at you right now. They've got all the TV screens going to Trump Tower. You and Alex Joe, you know they're just laughing at you guys, right? Seriously, like belly laughing. How by tomorrow they may add another Goldman Sachs guy tomorrow just because make him Secretary of Janitorial Expertise or something just to throw another name on there. This is what you get for not really truly being informed in a self-governing republic. This is what you get. And I'm, I don't know why you're not all upset about this, Todd. you know why they're not all upset? This is, this is exactly what they said. So, oh, by the way, tomorrow he may nominate a Secretary of State that Condi Rice... Condi never saw a war in Islam, against Islam, that she didn't like. Rice may have recommended for Secretary of State. Where's your anger? Where's your frustration? Let's well, see. will hold them accountable. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because you're a cult. He'll just tell you whatever he wants to tell you, and you'll just go along with it. I happen to think this guy would probably do a great job. But but you were the ones lecturing me about all these conspiratorial nitwitted theories over the primary. So no, Todd, I'm not upset at all about Trump completely going back on what he told these people. In fact, I'm peeing my pants.
3: Well, this happens when you let hate lead your decisions Amen. instead of principles. Amen. Because when you hate something, and let's face it, we've all been there—we're sinners. You just start throwing stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. You're not principles. You don't care, uh, and that's what they've been doing. And and unless we just blame it, blame the fine people of Kazakhstan, let's the Christian side of the ledger is going to have to deal with this too. They both both sides of it put that red, red bandana around their head from Deer Hunter picked up the gun, not knowing how many bullets great were in analogy, the chamber, great and analogy. they just started to play. And the rest of us, they yelled at us for sitting out. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about and this. And they're
0: not nearly as entertaining as Christopher Walken was when he did it. So that is a great analogy. More in a moment.
2: You're listening to Steve Liberty has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. This is Steve Dace. Well, I know this time of year, a lot of worthy
0: causes are asking for your help. And this Christmas, we're going to try and help the worthiest cause of them all, and that is the gospel. Over two million children in the Middle Eastern's refugee areas are dislocated in the area of Lebanon due to threats of terrorism and war. And we're trying to give them the gospel. We're trying to reach children like Amy.
1: You would be hard-pressed to find refugees in Lebanon who have not experienced terrible loss. And it's the children who have suffered the most. Fleeing the terror of war, many have lost one or both of their parents. For Amy, it was her uncle, killed as he tried to flee Syria. Her wounded father is no longer capable of working or supporting the family. Heart for Lebanon met Amy in a refugee camp. Desperate for help, and in great need, she was invited to attend the Hope Center in the Bekaa Valley. And that's where her life-changing transformation began.
2: The school that I used to attend was not treating us well because we are refugee children. But I thank God for this school because it is drawing me closer to God and is teaching me about Him.
1: The tens of thousands of refugee families in Lebanon are considered outcasts. of all refugees are under the age of 18 and most have been out of school for several years. These kids, roaming the tent cities in despair, are targeted by radicals, exploited and recruited by criminal gangs for terrorist groups and sex trafficking, unless we help. Your gift of $98 brings the gospel to 18 of these kids. And at the Hope Center, Heart for Lebanon welcomes them to be part of a genuine faith community. We must rescue these children for Christ before someone else captures them for evil. Please, be as generous as
5: you can. I
2: love the Hope Center because it has
3: introduced me to Jesus.
0: Your gift to Heart for Lebanon is going to bring the gospel to children like Amy. In fact, we can reach 18 children like Amy with the gospel for only $98. Your one-time Christmas gift of $98 helps bring the gospel to 18 refugee children just like Amy, with stories just like the one you heard. Please call 844-441-9966. That's 844-441-9966. Or go to our website, stevedace.com, right now. Click on the banner right now. Help us take the gospel to these children in Lebanon. 844-441-9966. Or our website at stevedace.com.
2: Listening to Steve Dace.
1: You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge.
2: This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments,
1: governments should be afraid of their people.
2: Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace.
0: And we're back with Hour 2 here tonight on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Normally, you'd hear from our good friend Bob Vanderplotz at this time, but uh, as some of you know, we had a little technical snafu on Friday for some odd reason. We were doing an original show, but uh, many of you heard the previous week's show, which means that you missed perhaps the most popular hour we do each week, the Dace Group. We're now going to rectify that. It is hour two on a Friday night. That means it's time for our weekly homage to the late, great John McLaughlin. This is the Dace Group. As we take a look back at the week that was with issue one,
4: appointments, shiny objects, and big government. This week in Trump. The Trump transition continues to move along at a fairly brisk pace. Trump appointed John Kelly, a retired Marine Corps general, to head up the Department of Homeland Security. After a 45-year military career, Kelly stepped down in January as commander of the U.S. Southern Command. Trump also appointed Andrew Puzder as head of the Labor Department. Puzder is a restaurant executive operating fast food chains, including Carl's Jr. and Hardee's, a vehement critic of government regulation and staunch opponents of minimum wage laws. And the fight for the $15 minimum wage is Puzder. Former neurosurgeon and presidential candidate Ben Carson was appointed head of Housing and Urban Development. His mother, one of 24 children, raised Carson and a brother in poverty into Detroit, and then in Boston, occasionally relying on food stamps and other programs. Carson has been a critic of government welfare and has called for private charities to shoulder welfare needs. Scott Pruitt, Oklahoma Attorney General, was appointed Environmental Protection Agency Chief and has been one of the most staunch critics of the EPA's overreach and doesn't play the left's global warming game. Earlier this week, Trump caused another collective freak out from the media over a tweet in which he threatened to cancel Boeing's order for the the new Air Force One saying the project was too expensive. Also this week Trump said he's going to try to work something out with youth and families who are here illegally. And Trump fitting in with his chief strategist Steve Bannon's touting of a trillion dollar infrastructure plan also said this week he's in favor of an economic stimulus. Yet again this week proves it's going to be a mixed bag for President-elect Donald Trump. Assess this week's
0: cornucopia that is the week in Trump. I start with you, Todd.
3: Well, one thing that Aaron didn't mention, it's the uh, ambassador uh, to China. We owe Donald Trump thanks for getting uh, Governor said the longest tenured uh, Republican in the history of this land, uh, out of Dodge. Literally to the other end of the earth. I well thought played. it smelled better it around here. <laughs> it
5: can't be far enough. Making Iowa great again. Kim... Has, yes. like, this glow around so her. Happy. If you could only see it, Thank she's you. so happy. China. Uh,
3: China. He's in China. <laughs> exactly. yeah, go ahead. Uh, we also owe him for uh, Pruitt. If nothing else, again, this is, like, the sweet glow of everybody just at the the days after Trump won. Watching the environmentalists go nuts is is delicious. It is, you know, pop the tub of corn, as Steve always says. Uh, other than that... You know, this is a guy just going about and doing the job. No matter, most of it reeks of what you think, no matter a Republican or a Democrat is choosing their office. You've heard of some of these guys before, some of them you haven't. Ultimately, it ends, as Steve said, it's a, it's a matter of will. No matter what they think, no matter what they say, no matter what they've even done at this point, it's about what they are willing to do now. And we've all seen people who looked like they were going to be the uh, swaggering ones who've done absolutely nothing. And then we've seen uh, seemingly quiet, mousy people throughout history who carry a really big stick. So... You, you wrote a great piece about Ben Carson. You know, this is a, a time for him to perhaps, even though he's a brain surgeon, to do his greatest work ever by helping the inner cities reinvent themselves. So, you know, he this is a – I gave him a C last week when he did this kind of thing. You know, he continues to be consistent, so I keep, I'll give him a better grade. I mean, the guy is definitely doing B work right now.
0: Kim, I, I still struggle with what is that much different if Jeb Bush had won? So today the story is, is we may not have, you know, tice tea times a Haiti buckwheat, three now Goldman Sachs employees in, in government. Jeb would have been out there. I, don't, I think Scott Pruitt uh, is somebody Jeb would have appointed as EPA. He's not, you know, some enviro-wacko. Um, I, other than Sessions at AG, which was the very, one of the very first major appointment, what else and, – and I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism – But it's more of an observation. What is really that much different if Jeb Bush would have won? Would he be talking stimulus and infrastructure programs? I could see that. Couldn't you see that? Sure. I could see that. So tell me, Betsy DeVos at Education—that well, she's from his board of directors. So what's that much? The generals. I mean, the, I mean, the, the Bush family's had a long pro-military uh, background politically. So is that really that much different? Tell me. I mean, we had a we had a general a secretary of a secretary of, uh, of of state originally in Colin Powell under uh, the, the previous President Bush. So. What's really that much different? Other, other than his personality. I mean, he's got this, this, this obviously overwhelming personality, and that gives people the incentive to believe that things are really going to be different than what they've gotten under the, the two-party duopoly in the past. But when you look at the actual people lining up in the cabinet, Reince Priebus is chief of, chief of staff. Could you see Jeb Bush doing that? I could. Yes. So tell me what tell me what's demonstrably different. Other When you take away Trump's personality, when you look at the actual people that are going to call the shots, what's that much different?
5: There isn't anything that's much different. But the other thing is, you know, let's take away his personality, but also you'll have to take away the fact that he is paying back people, right? I mean, he some is. Some people. There was a big
0: story in Politico yesterday that a lot of the what they call themselves the original Trumpers. Are, right. are being left behind well
5: like Corey Lewandowski yeah and they right? even
0: at a conference call right. the, the gal who ran his Florida primary campaign at a conference call with Trump this week saying hey I saw so that. there's some people that are starting to get ticked off here that that they're not that there's no that there aren't any spots for them
5: oh I'm certain they'll find a spot for some of those people but you know when I look at this I I'm more pessimistic as the time goes on I'm like this is a dumpster fire I'm just I'm disgusted by his inconsistency and I, you know, the $1 trillion infrastructure spending, that is something that people really need to look at. All this other stuff he's just playing with you. This is all about economic interests, and it's going to be... Worse for conservatism.
4: Yeah, if George W. Bush's tenure in office led to the Marxist that we have there currently, um, if this is no different than a typical Republican, um, or somewhat different than a typical Republican, uh, maybe a little bit more to, towards the left, then I hate to see what's what's coming next if that uh, trend holds. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with, with some of these appointments that he's making. I mean, he's been um, consistent about, well, fairly consistent, consistent in Trump terms about opposing uh, global warming. And here we have somebody in Scott Pruitt who is actually going to uh, to fight against global warming. He's not honor, which I know we'll be talking about later, um, aside in that meeting with Al Gore. Uh, this is I think this is fairly good news this week overall. See... Even though I agree with
0: Kim's analysis, I do not share your conclusions. First of all, conservatism ended in this campaign on May 3rd when Ted Cruz got kicked to the curb. It has not been a factor in this campaign, and it really hasn't been a factor in the last several presidential campaigns that we have had. I mean, the last couple of nominees were Mitt Romney and John McCain, and before that you had the guy who wrote the book on guns and butter, social conservatism with big government, George W. Bush for two terms. I mean, when was the last time? We had a presidential election that was really about changing the role government has in our lives. Do you know when that
5: was? Well, it's all going to be tied on to the, the idea that this is actually conservatism, and it is not.
0: No, that well, that I agree with you. That I agree with you, but, but the attraction that many had to this individual, and, and I'm talking about the people who signed on to be a part of the movement. I'm not talking about the people that went in there on November the 8th and said, we just cannot afford a third term of a communist in the White House. I'm not talking about those people. But the people that signed on to this movement largely did so because they saw the way, by hook or by crook, Obama used authoritarianism to placate and pay off his constituency groups. And they said, hey, we want our own guy that will do this for us. We want our own guy that will go in there and just be shameless in the White House and, and using gov- the, the full coercive power of government to help us and to support us the way Obama did it for his minions. Is that kind of what you're you're seeing? That really, yeah, and that's I, I why mean, it's the
5: disaster I'm talking well, about. Well,
0: I mean, that's where the infrastructure programs, yep. that's where the carrier deal came from. And by the way, carrier announced today they're going to use some of that money to actually go out and uh, install automation and robots and, oh, and, and robotic people technology, people which will put people out of work. There you go. Uh, but but that's that's what his presidency was about. Is hey, we need to find our own Obama, I mean, and, and, but not in terms of ideology, but in terms of authoritarianism. Exit question. Is Trump a master manipulator or a man without a plan? Kim? Yes.
4: man without a plan. Master manipulator of the media. Kim is correct.
0: The answer is yes. Issue two is next.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace.
0: Back here on The Dates Group, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to issue two. Keep an
4: eye on that, Ivanka. President-elect Donald Trump met on Monday with Al Gore, one of the most vocal advocates of the global warming myth. Before the meeting, Trump spokesman Jason Miller told reporters on a daily briefing that Gore would meet with Ivanka Trump, the president-elect's daughter, about climate issues. But he didn't know what specifically was on the agenda. He had also said the former Democratic vice president would not meet with Trump himself. But Gore told reporters after the meeting that he did meet with Trump after seeing Ivanka. Uh,
2: The bulk of the time was with uh, President-elect Donald Trump. Uh, I I found it an an extremely interesting conversation uh, and uh, to be continued. And I'm just going
6: to leave it at that. Thank you.
4: Later on in the week, it was reported Ivanka and her husband, Jared Kushner, Plan to move to Washington, D.C. Ivanka Trump has been very open about her leftist policy ideas throughout the campaign, and for instance, all but took credit for Trump's child care policy introduced earlier this fall. That's clear that the first daughter's actions and influence will definitely be something to keep an eye on. First question How conservative or how concerned should
0: conservatives be about Ivanka's influence? I ask you. Kim?
5: Well, you know, if we want to be consistent and have some integrity, you need to be concerned about anyone who's unelected having that much influence in what they're doing. So if we didn't like Hillary Clinton and what she did during, um, you know, the reign of her husband with regard to health care, then, you know, you got to look and see how Ivanka is handling things. You know, at times I feel like we're just going to be the White House and one big product placement type thing where, you know, she's going to be involved in the RNC like say, like her speech, for example, and then she tweets, you can buy her dress at Macy's for hundred and thirty eight dollars. I mean, <laughs> what the heck? So we have to be careful. There I mean is a,
0: there is a certain low class, tacky, low brow for <laughs> for being such an opulent family. There is a certain cousin Eddie tackiness to the way they operate. You know what I'm saying I mean, it's just in the by the way, right now, one hundred thirty nine ninety nine at Macy's. You know
5: what I'm saying? It's just tacky. It's a little bit better than Billy Beer, but it's, you know, it's (laughs) close. So, I mean.
0: I'm going to tell you right now, if Trump (laughs) does a spot for Duff's beer, I'm totally in. All right, Todd,
3: your thoughts? We shouldn't be at all concerned about her influence. I mean, every president, Republican or Democrat, is influenced. It's about, in in, in the end, good or bad, it's all on them, the man or woman who happens to hold the office. So, yeah, yeah, she's a lib. George Bush's wife and daughters were libs. We've come to learn that more and more after time goes on. They have, they're big boys. They need to make their own decisions. And if it comes down to it sooner or later, and we have to say, hey, Donald, uh, the reason you're uh, not doing well for the country two years from now uh, is because you're listening too much for that crackpot daughter of yours, we'll tell them. But right now, we got bigger fish to fry. If we really are sitting here worried about Ivanka Trump you know we deserve to lose as conservatives aaron
4: yeah that's a, that's well said todd i mean at some point with i mean you you know about all the creepy stuff that t- donald trump has said about ivanka I, at some point i wonder if if trump just kind of doesn't care what he sounds like or what he what was your thinks. first clue aaron <laughs> that that might <laughs> be he the he no, what, care? no 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 what no was no, your no, first no clue? Let, 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 let me finish okay i wonder sometimes if he doesn't care what ivanka things based on some oh. of those comments oh, nice. that he's made yeah, about I see Ivanka
0: see I, I'm gonna do it again and I don't mean to I really don't I just think a lot of times when people give opinions they don't consider the, the an, an angle other than er, their immediate impulse that's why I often look at the contrarian view because a lot of times people opine and don't consider what on is on the other side of the looking glass guys so here's what went down this week Alright, so Ivanka calls in now, Gore, uh, to talk about how uh, the com- internal combustible engine was going to blow us up in 1991, and that was 25 years ago, right? So, And they have this big powwow. Trump supposedly stops in after he wasn't going to be at the meeting at all. Gore comes out, you know, and uh, says uh, he's, he found it to be an interesting conversation, and they, he looks forward to it continuing, whatever, right? And everybody freaks out. Next day... The attorney general from Oklahoma, who's out suing all the Al Gore wannabes around the country in the federal courts, gets named the head of the EPA. What could potentially be happening here? I, I have little doubt. Donald Trump has, I guess, we will call it, to avoid any more awkward and uncomfortable conversations. We'll just we'll use a uh, the phrase. Night. He has a high uh, high view of his daughter. Wait, should we just go with that? I think and, that's and the just, best and just, way to put it. A high opinion of her, and we'll just leave it at that, right? He also, though, wouldn't be the first rich guy in Manhattan to condescend to his little princess and pretend to care what she actually thinks and even let her go about her way putting on airs like her opinion really matters and is relevant. And then after she's done, he just gets together with the, you know, his fellow rich guys and just goes out there and does whatever he was going to do anyway. Have we it, 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 is is this not a story we've all seen before? Tale as old as time. No time. No no question. We just saw it this week. Yeah yeah. I'll stop in. I'm uh, sure, honey. I'll stop in and say hi to L. Plus, I just want I, I want the, I want the media to talk about another another failed presidential candidate came over to Trump Tower here to make the hodge and kiss my ring. So and because, you know, as soon as he walked out of me with Al Gore, Trump rolled over into his corner office with Bannon to turn on MSNBC to see how quickly that story ends up on the camera so they could laugh about it. Right. And then the next day they come out and, and Scott Pruitt's going to run EPA. I, I I think I think this is the most overrated story of the entire election is her and her influence i mean look at the go back to the convention ted cruz right and you could there people did lip syncing of of trump and uh his uh, kids talking in their suite when cruz was given his vote your conscience speech and and essentially what it came down to is is trump saying to ivanka maybe i should have listened to you and not let him give a speech because she just said don't let him talk right but again she gives her opinion on a serious matter oh you're right honey How's that clothing line going? Oh, I know, right? I mean, it's not as if there's not a history of Donald Trump patronizing women. Can we throw that one out there, right? That's, oh, that's There's totally no precedent accurate. for that anywhere, right? So there you go. Okay, so, so then he just oh, you're right, honey. Then he goes out, meets with the boys. They decide, yeah, we got to probably let Cruz speak just to, you know. And, and here's what we'll do. We'll even set him up, man. We'll set him up. He'll go out there and give some speech because, you know, Ted Cruz will try to take some phony principled stance, right? That's what, that's what they're thinking, and we'll let him do it. And then, as soon as he starts doing it, I'll get up and talk and walk around, and people will cheer me. They'll boo him. We'll just totally screw this guy. That's, that's, you end up becoming a billionaire doing stuff like that, not listening to your precious snowflake princess who thinks that, um, you know, uh, be, because we're out of cream rinse, that you've got to put off tonight's board meeting. It, that's not the way the real world works, guys. That only happens in lifetime movies. That doesn't actually happen in real life. You guys can now argue with me and tell me I'm wrong.
4: What is cream rinse? That's my only. That's my only question out of all of that. No, I think that's. I think that's absolutely right. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that's a tale as old as as old as time, and it would fit into what we've seen so far. Todd,
3: you were just writing on my coattails there, baby. That's what I said. Well, you were my muse, Kim.
5: This one hurts um, because I'd like to believe that she's actually smarter than that. Oh,
0: I'm sure she's smarter, than that.
5: and um, that he actually doesn't condescend to her. Um, I'm sure
0: she is smarter than that, and I am sure that he condescends to her. And I'm sure he has condescended to a lot smarter women than Ivanka Trump.
5: So you know we'll have to wait and see how much she has, uh, how much influence she has. Um, it's particularly when you're talking about childcare and some of those issues. So we'll oh, see. Oh,
0: he'll, he'll he'll throw her a bone. She'll get a bone, she, and then that, that, you, you'll get you'll get you know real head start. Well, we'll have child care like you know at the prenatal stage or something. She'll get something to occupy her time in between social gatherings and Manhattan jet set lifestyle. But I don't think she'll have much influence. On a scale of one to ten, how much influence do you think Ivanka Trump will have, Kim? Quickly. Five. Two. Three. The answer is a three at best.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace.
0: All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to issue three. The
4: final numbers are in. As Donald Trump selects cabinet members and prepares to take over the White House after a shocking win on Election Day, his former presidential opponent has seen the number of votes cast for her increasing by the millions across the country. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has garnered at least 65.5 million votes in the 2016 presidential election, over 2.6 million more than the president-elect, who has received at least right around 63 million votes, according to figures released Wednesday by the Cook Report, a nonpartisan election analysis organization. Clinton now has a margin of more than 2% of the popular vote majority over Trump, as states like Florida and California continue to submit ballots from primarily Democratic-held regions like Miami and Los Angeles. Of course, if you take California alone away from Clinton, her overall lead in the popular vote all but vanishes. And it appears that Trump will outperform Mitt Romney by more than a million votes by the time the dust settles with counting every single ballot.
0: What does the fact Trump got more votes than Romney tell us about this election, even though the turnout was roughly the same? I think it was roughly about 56 percent, Aaron, in both elections. So given uh, the turnout uh, was similar to 2012, what does the fact Trump got more votes than Romney tell us about this election and maybe future elections for the GOP? I ask you, Kim, what do you think?
5: Well, you know, I look at this and go, this really doesn't have a lot to do with Romney. This has a lot to do with Trump going against a corrupt, um, you know, disliked candidate. And so – and then when I look at what's going to happen to the future of the GOP, it has to do with delivery. What's he going to do on the economy? And I think that's really what will tell us what's going to happen um, going forward with the GOP. It's got to do with the economy, whether or not he's going to deal with the stagnant economy, whether he's going to deal with getting people back to work. I mean, that's really going to tell us how it moves forward. I don't think, you know, the – idea. The fact that he beat Romney is not a big deal to me. I mean, Romney went against Obama, who was, you know, charismatic and iconic and well-loved. Donald Trump went against somebody that a lot of people just loathed. But the future of the GOP, it's going to have to do with the economy. What's going to happen?
4: Aaron, I i think the lesson is, and I, I agree with you, I, I don't think this has anything to do with, with Romney at all. It, it is worth comparing Um, that I I, I, what I take away from this is that Donald Trump is somebody who uh, paints in in bold colors now that those colors might make you know might look like a Picasso where it's just kind of all over the place but it's bold colors nonetheless Uh, and I think the 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 lesson that needs to be learned for the GOP or really any new political party if one it comes to existence um, is that you have to do that no more squishiness no more of this, uh, trying to find the oldest white guy who will appeal to the most, uh, K Street or Wall Street um, donors. Don't. don't 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 try to find that person. Try to find somebody who's actually bold. That's that's the lesson to be learned.
3: To, Todd, this election it tells us about the combined hatred of Hillary and the GOP establishment. Even though, as Aaron has alluded to, and you've said many times, Trump was. Was and likely will be more established than many people think. Trump cult doesn't think that. And uh, modern America uh, very much hates Hillary Clinton on both sides, right and left. The establishment is low. So that speaks to Donald Trump uh, and his success right now. In terms of the fact, the past, I'm not going to, like I said, I loathe the concept of talking about the election two years from now, let alone four. This says nothing, and I mean nothing about. Uh, four years from now, it all depends on Donald Trump's uh, performance. We cannot be—I don't think we can begin to accurately do anything but blind guessing on that front.
0: See, I think the reason he's going to remain executive producer of The Apprentice, for example, I think the reason he stays on Twitter because I think he understands the shallowness of most people, and by 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 continuing these activities, this creates the veneer, this this creates the mirage that he is different, that he's a lot different than everything else. And and so just as we've talked in the past about, and I'm sure we'll get into this later when the media topic comes up, but just as we've talked in the past how he uses these devices to throw media off the scent, I mean if 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 here's here is one thing that is different. If Jeb Bush would have nominated, and I think he would have nominated somebody like Scott Pruitt, maybe not him specifically, but somebody like that head of the EPA. The cow birthing that would have gone on on the entire liberal media industrial complex for the next 24 hours would have been real and spectacular. This would have been second coming end of world literally the ozone layer will fall down on america only because of how much we hate the environment with disappointment and then and the and the bush transition team would have had to come up with a way to combat that narrative right here's what trump does i don't know uh you know maybe i should be executive producer of the apprentice oh i
2: can't believe
0: that there's no amount of money this guy won't just wharf himself out for. Meanwhile, they're over here having a cow and he appoints Scott Pruitt and like nobody talking about it. See the difference? Yes. See, I think he does this to his own followers. I do all this crazy stuff on Twitter so that you don't pay attention to the fact that I'm appointing the Goldman Sachs All-Star team to my cabinet. Exit question. Will Mitt Romney be Trump's Secretary of State, Kim? No. No, no. You're all right. The answer is no.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace.
0: All right, back here on the Days Group Roundtable here on the Salem Radio Network, the weekly look at the week that was powered by conservative review. Issue four, fake news and phony narratives.
4: A popular trend has been pushed by the leftist media in the past few weeks, and that trend is fake news. Nowhere has that been pushed more than on places like The View, the media research center. Put together a montage of the cast of The View first talking about how they fact check every word that comes out of their mouth
3: But when we give facts it's checked with ABC News. Or Absolutely. Yeah. Or, they or, or, Absolutely. The, or the, or, you know, we don't <laughs> just go to one place. We don't just Sorry. go to one place. We, we actually have, we are held to a different standard. We have to look at many different places before we can say that's what's happening. Yeah, everybody... right. And
4: they say stuff like that after saying stuff like this.
3: Pretty much that if Donald Trump would, God forbid to win the election, he would put all conservative justices on there and then Ro- Roe v. Wade would be overturned. What well, he used to he say, say
5: extremism and they said
3: that wasn't good that's enough. not good enough. But, but when the president says ex- radical uh, Islamic, Obama. people say that's not strong enough. It's like, you know... I Look, I think the problem is people have
6: said he's not saying it. So
3: maybe he he did say it. No, he has said it. when Mitch McConnell came out and said like five minutes after Obama was was elected. we're going to make this a one term. We're going to do everything we can to get another Republican in the White House. As soon as he said that, I thought, you know what, as a party.
4: The View is just one place where this tone-deaf narrative of fake news has been pushed by the media. And sure, just scroll through your Facebook news feed and you'll see various friends sharing various clickbait about conspiracy theories and the like. But it seems the media's definition of fake news is much broader and more mercurial.
0: Todd, Mr. Journalism is magical and not at all broken. Based on what you have seen over these last few weeks of the mainstream media trend of lambasting fake news, have you been able to glean an actual definition of what they think that is? I mean, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, we just heard her voice, and Aaron, don't ever do that on this show again, by the way. Um, Even though it was a useful clip, I I can't handle it, so don't play it. But uh, her predecessor in that seat at The View was Rosie O'Donnell. She used to sit there on The View during the Bush years. Do you remember this, Don? Talking about all the conspiracies, about how Bush must have known about 9-11 ahead of time. Steel doesn't melt. right? Those are the, These are the things she used to sit there and say on The View. She used to go 9-11 truther, right there on The View, all the time. Apparently ABC News didn't fact check that. Uh, but anyway, uh, what do they think fake news is? Do we know?
3: They think, I know intimately what they think fake news is. Fake news is something that competes... With their narrative. Period, end of sentence. Which is why I say bias isn't always the uh, the the big ugly ogre monster. It's the things you you don't talk about. It it is often very subtle. A narrative has to be that subtle to last as long as it has. So they are frustrated that it is obvious that people all across and listen economically they've learned this in the last uh, decade in terms of the amount of layoffs so that's the case i do have good seasoned reporter friends though they are authentic and they're our age steve so they're not you know 65 year old mike Royko dinosaurs and and they talk nice
0: of, mike royco uh, reference nice and
3: and they talk about the importance of you know sh- shoe leather reporting Working a beat, understanding sources, and they do that, and I respect them because that is real. And then I point out that the institution that let some of us go right here in this town, the Des Moines Register, it don't pretend that that's what they do anymore. They have forsaken that as much as anybody else. They do the clickbait. They want to know how many you know views you're getting on everything. They gave up on old fashioned reporting. So never look at me, and they and they look at me, and you know what, you're you're right. So d- 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 these people that are lecturing about uh, fake news are the ones that started practicing fake news before we started getting anything from Macedonia or God knows where else it's coming from. So,
0: Kim, here's where I am concerned about this. Okay, so this this, this afternoon before we went on the air tonight, I, I posted a link to a study NBC News did of this Macedonian teenager who owns up to publishing a lot of the kinds of fake Trump conspiracies and Obama declares martial law and won't leave the White House? Now, I don't know about you guys. This stuff infested my freaking social media feeds all year. I can't tell you how many people emailed me Steve, is this true? Steve, my friends are telling me this stuff is going on. None of it's true. None of it's true. We saw this stuff all the time, right? Amish supporters for Trump, people paid to protest, all these fake stories, we saw these on behalf of, of Trump, support, for Trump, gullible Trump supporters. We battled these in the primaries when we supported other candidates, and people accepted this as fake news, as, as real news, and it was all fake. I post something about this. The very first comment on my Facebook wall is, a, is, is someone saying, hey, I think everything NBC says is fake. Look at all the, Look at all the biased reporting they do and everything else. But the problem I have with this is, uh, we are conflating media bias with flat-out forgeries, flat-out frauds, right? And and it's okay to live in a universe where that, where a lot of mainstream media is biased to a particular point of view, but then also admit that this is just this is this is a this is an infestation of our movement. Is these conspiracy fake news sites that are right. becoming legitimized? So my concern is that we are that we really are beginning to live in a post-truth society.
5: That's what I was just going to say. I mean, wasn't that the new word, post-truth? Yes. And that's what it is, and that's what we're looking at. And I like how you said the narrative, um, Todd, when you were telling us that the narrative is, you know, fake news is anything that com- um, fights against their narrative. That's that's. Exactly yes. what it is. Yeah,
0: I, when I, so the reason I posted that NBC News story, and I agree, and one, of the, one commenter said, hey, if Trump had lost, do you think they'd be posting that story? No. No, they would not. But that speaks to their bias, not the fact that this story itself is a fake. All these, cons- these printleys, these conservative treehouses, these Red Nation rising right. fake conspiracy sites all came from somewhere. Don't our people really want to know that they're being lied to? Do not conflate bias with fake Fake and bias are different things. I agree with you that to the Marxist on the view, fake news is what competes with our narrative or goes against it. I agree with that, right? That's why they list, like, I think I saw one of their their people listed, like, red state as fake news, stuff like that. Okay, because why? Because they compete with their narrative. But even though NBC, the reason they decided to report on this actual story is because Hillary lost and they want to find out why. If she had won, they wouldn't care. That doesn't mean the story's any less true. We we have to we have to have some kind of a common sense moron filter,
3: Todd. You're right about the distinction, but the forgeries are only possible because of how long the bias has existed. This I agree. is Lord Nefarious at work. He ruined that thing for decades and people were starving for anything different. Well they got it.
0: Yeah. They got it. Exit question what if any mainstream mer- media personality do you trust, Kim? Todd Erzin. <laughs> mainstream. <laughs> Me too. I'll say Jake Tapper, maybe closely. You're listening
2: to Steve Dace.
0: All right, back one final time here on the Dace Group Roundtable. Your weekly look at the week that was. We'll now take a look ahead here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. It is time for our predictions. Todd, you will begin. My Kim's predi- most trusted mainstream media personality. Thanks Since for calling the most trusted, us mainstream media. You get, you get to start. Most
5: trusted.
3: My prediction is that uh, one aspect of the Constitution that is going to flourish within the next four years is we are finally going to impeach some federal judges.
0: Uh, from your lips to God's ears. Kim.
5: Wow. Um, Okay, so this is a prediction that I don't want this to happen, but um, I think for the Supreme Court justice, he's going to actually put forth Diane Sykes, the very person that uh, Andy Schlafly Schlafly said last night, no way. I just had him swooning, and then you turn around and you just (laughs) kick him in the (laughs) groin. So the very person, Diane Sykes, she is the person that the Federalist Society loves. Um, She's from Wisconsin. She's... um, She's a female. He he loves that type of uh, look. So that's what I'm going for.
4: Aaron, you all ever watch Citizen Kane? Yes. Yep. I think when the movie is made about Donald Trump's uh, life, it's going to closely resemble that movie. Except in that movie, uh Charles Kane didn't actually become president, but um I think they the some of the resemblances are are uncanny. Here comes the other foot. I'm, I'm trying to is, – is that a prediction? Yes. How so? Uh, in that uh, – well, I just told you. The predi- the similarity – Oh, you the think simi- they'll turn they'll it do into a into movie? A movie you, and they'll model it? Okay, you, they, okay, I
0: missed that part of it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, all right. You guys ready for this? And I am, I'm dead serious when I predict this. This is no joke, not tongue-in-cheek. Laura Ingram will be Trump's White House spokesperson.
3: Why do you think that'd be joking? I don't think you're... That's not a joke. Is there
4: Uh, new information that you can divulge? uh, There is new information I cannot divulge. I'm
5: buying. Wait a minute. Okay, so is she going to stop working? Yes. And she's just going to...
0: She's going to do... She's going to be Ari Fleischer... Uh, Josh. Who's the guy, Josh Ernest Josh. Ernest Earnest, and there's yep. a, yeah. uh, you know, uh,
4: to a hundred thousand dollars. Larry Speaks, who, who did it for, uh, for You're, Ronald Reagan,
3: Donald Trump, Marlin Fitzwater. See,
4: he, I think the difference between... Tony Snow, who who Donald Trump's uh, Donald Trump appoints as as press secretary, and the ones that we've seen during Obama's years is that the ones uh, during Obama the Obama years was all they were always playing defense because there was so much crap going on. I think the uh, press secretary here is going to have a a lot of opportunity to go on. This is
0: a lot bigger platform. I mean, Laura Ingram's been around for a long time. I'm sure she's made plenty of money. This is a lot bigger platform than her radio show is. This is the biggest bully pulpit on planet Earth. Saying yes to this is a no-brainer. And more than that,
3: he wants to be entertained. I mean, he, he goes on TV and he makes his own personalities to entertain himself. He wants to tune into his press conferences less about disseminating information than to say, hey, look what Laura's going to do to these guys.
0: Are you not <laughs> entertained? Indeed. Hour three is next.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace.
0: And we're back with hour number three here tonight on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Coming up later in this hour, my good friend Sam Nunberg is going to join us. He was instrumental in getting Donald Trump's presidential aspirations off the ground floor several years ago. And uh, we're getting his take on how the transition to a Trump presidency is going thus far. But first.
2: It is that time each night when our producer Aaron gets to take
0: and put baby in a corner. He gets to ask us any three questions about any three things. Nothing is off limits. He can ask us anything that he would like, but he has to answer the same questions as well. That's our little check and balance here on the Steve Day Show, Aaron.
4: Thank you, Steve. Uh, Question one, and I know we talked about this uh, Secretary of State thing uh, quite a bit in the first hour, but what are the uh, requirements or what are some skills that a Secretary of State should have prior to being um, nominated and appointed in your mind? I I would think the number one thing the person has to have
0: uh, has to to have a learned and um, well-rounded level of expertise on the global stage and America's proper place in it. And that would include things like the right kinds of relationships, etc. Some of you may say, well, why wouldn't a CEO of a major oil, of a, of a major oil conglomerate like ExxonMobil meet that threshold? I think some of you want to believe something that just isn't true running a business is not the same as running the government i'm going to say that again cuz i know this is you know i'm violating conservative talk show host orthodoxy fed talking points 101 running a business is not the same as running a government it's not when you're running a when you're running a business you have the benefit of acting almost exclusively and entirely on self-interest And therefore, you can negotiate with like-minded people who are doing the same. And you can set things aside, like Boeing today can set aside the fact that Iran might be the greatest terrorist-sponsoring state in the world to sell them a bunch of airplanes. Why? Because they have a mutual self-interest. And this is why the guy, Mr. Tellerson, can, can have photos of him toasting Vladimir Putin. But that's not the same when you are talking about what's in the national interests. And this is often why business people make terrible political candidates. It's because they have a tendency to see things strictly through the prism of the bottom line, as opposed to seeing a broad-based perspective. And the bottom line being, just tell me what it takes to make the trains run on time. Just tell me what it takes to get elected. Tell me what it takes to get people to like me, to be popular. The reality is Donald Trump negotiating with Scotland to build golf courses is nothing at all like dealing with Vladimir Putin. It's not. Scotland just wants a damn golf course. Vladimir Putin wants the reemergence of the former Soviet Union. And he doesn't like to negotiate. Ask the Ukraine. It's not the same thing. It's, It's just simply not. You're not dealing... You're dealing with people whose self-interest are their national interest and one in the same. As opposed in the business world, often those two things can be separated. But when you're dealing with dictators and despots, they're one in the same. Their self-interest is, is the national interest. So there is no the reason why they can cut these deals is because they don't have the conflict or the priorities that those of us who don't have their megalomania do. So it's not the same thing at all. If Hillary Clinton had, had won on November the 8th and her secretary of state nominee was a globalist corporatist who was seen toasting Vladimir Putin, what would everybody, before I got on the air tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern, every cotton-picking conservative talk radio show that you've heard all day long, what would the whole show be about
4: today? Napalm. just Napalm, napalm
0: everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. See, it's not the same, guys. It's not. All right, CEOs, it's the same. As, it's not the same domestically. A CEO can't compel you to do something against your will with the coercive of force of law. A president can. A CEO can't coin or print money. A president can. A CEO can't tax you and mandate that you buy their product. A president can. And CEOs don't go every four years before they face some kind of recompense from their constituents. CEOs face their shareholders every quarter. It's not the same at all. Now, Todd, with all of that said, that doesn't mean we would not benefit from having people with that private, real-world experience in the public sector. Because just as you can have a myopic view, dealing exclusively in the private sector, where, all, where you can find something that you like with every, with no matter how evil or wicked somebody is, because you both want to make money on a deal, you can have the same myopic viewpoint in the public sector as well, if you're only seeing things through the prism of government. Okay, but it's not as simple as throw all the bureaucrats out and let's put in all the private sector bureau- people, because you know you guys have worked at a company and had a bureaucracy. Yeah, me too. There's bureau- plenty of bureaucrats in the private sector, guys. So it's not the same at Todd as let's just get the private sector bureaucrats and replace them with the and replace the public sector bureaucrats with them. It requires more adult-level discernment than that. Yeah,
3: you're kind of describing the distinction between regular two-dimensional chess and three-dimensional chess. You you need to be able to come in a room and weigh e- economic factors, psychological factors, uh, historical factors ethnic factors that takes a, a renaissance man you you're looking for and we there are very few Thomas Jeffersons these days whether you come from the private or the public sectors these guys have been had blinders on so long just down one silo one tunnel and you need to really be able to come in and measure a room know what people but no matter what they say you need to have a get a feel for that and not that George Bush, I looked into his soul and saw whatever he saw in Putin. But you got to be able to come to the president say, "Yes, this is the bottom line of this man," and he has to be able to trust you.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right.
4: I think uh, that the qualifications that are needed for somebody doing the secretary doing a, a good job at the Secretary of State, and I completely agree and echo with uh, with your sentiments. But I think. Um, a great deal of uh, of wisdom uh, first and foremost this person has to be one of the wisest pe- people i think in uh, in government or in uh, in your country representing your country and i think what you said uh, steve was apt about um, uh, you know knowing the, the tillerson has no e- in the world
0: tillerson has no experience representing the interest of the united states on a global stage no see, steve he's been is... ex- strictly strictly representing the business the, the interest of his Self-interest, his business.
4: It's not the same. And and this, I I believe this is how you get tyrants. Because if if somebody looking at the bottom line, just tell me what I need to get something, that can be good. You better hope it's good for you. um, Because sometimes what it takes to get something or something they see as the bottom line is is not always good. And I think this is fast track to tyrants, uh, getting tyrants. Uh, Question two, Army beat Navy on Saturday for the first time in 14 years. What current streak in the world of sports do you think is least likely to be broken during your lifetime?
0: Well, s- I can start. If you, well, if I mean, you the, like. the Cubs ended their streak. Um, really, the last the the last remaining futility streak. Cleveland broke their streak this year uh, in the NBA, but it, they hadn't won a championship as a city in... Uh, half More than half a century. They went to the World Series, too. Yeah. The last remaining streak really is the Lions and the Browns are the last remaining original franchises in the NFL, never to go to the Super Bowl. I, that, can you think of another one? I can't think of another streak that's out there. This no. was the year we saw a bunch of those streaks beaten, Todd. Can you think of one?
3: I can't. And since All right. this is your show, I think we need to go with the Lions. All right.
4: <laughs> I was going to go with Cleveland, uh, but uh, they won their
0: championship. The city broke their championship. Yeah, well, I meant the Browns
4: as far as uh, getting to the Super Bowl. But you're right. I mean, they they won the championship and then went to a championship. So Uh, question three comes from Steve Perrigan, listener. Uh, If you are male and you occasionally watch a Hallmark Christmas movie, do you automatically lose (laughs) your status as a male or does your status as a Christmas slappy if you are one? excuse this activity.
0: If it's for Christmas slappiness, like I used to listen to Delilah this time of year because I'm a Christmas slappy, it's okay. Outside of Christmas, it is only okay if it is done to curry
2: favor with the
3: opposite sex. Seconded? I did that this weekend with my wife. There you go. I'll second that. So decree.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. Steve Dace. Beating liberals is important, but more important, who you beat them with. This is Steve Days. Now for something
1: completely different. We need to have a talk about this. an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What
2: in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of this culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive.
3: Will you cut the culture crap and get to the hotel? We gotta get some buzz going
0: back here on the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network. This is the Nightly Buzz. We go back, take a look at some of the headlines we didn't have time to get to earlier in the day. But our producer, Aaron, after checking out what is the buzz on your social media, it's your water cooler at work. He says, hey, this is some stuff you should be commenting on. So he's got those headlines. We've got the hot takes.
4: Thank you, Steve. First story, former Vice President Al Gore's 2006 climate change, global warming documentary, An Inconvenient Truth is getting a sequel that will premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in January, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The (laughs) follow-up flick will focus on the world's current so-called climate crisis more than 10 years after Gore got it wrong the first time.
0: I just... uh...
4: (sighs) The fleecing of America's
0: liberals continues. Uh, First, y'all padded Jill Stein's wallet, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a moment. Now there's this... Hopefully, it does better than that uh, movie that came out this past weekend that just flopped about uh, with Jessica Chastain playing a lobbyist trying to take down the uh, uh, the gun lobby. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't even heard of that. Ex- ex- <laughs> exactly, I- exactly, yeah. exactly. It's Miss Sloan or Mrs. Sloan. Is that what it's called, Todd? You know, I think that's. What I it's know called. the movie you're talking about, but I don't know the yeah, title. Yeah it it bombed. It bombed miserably. In fact, they've got a goal for a nefarious plot when it comes out. I just want us to make... I want it to do better at the box office than Miss Sloan. If it does better at the box office than Miss Sloan, I'll die a happy man.
3: And having lived in Utah and attended uh, a couple different uh, Sundance Film Festival uh, gatherings in uh, Park City, Utah, the most breathtaking thing is when all the big stars keep their carbon footprint down because they all come into town on donkey. It's breathtaking. Yes, <laughs> right.
4: Uh, if your name is uh, Bernie Sanders, this next story is related. Two s- girl suicide bombers, roughly seven and eight years old, died when they exploded Sunday in a crowded area near a market in Nigeria's northeastern city of Maiduguri, injuring 17 people rescue officials Said this weekend, and if you wondered what the Bernie Sanders reference was, you remember last year uh, around November when Bernie Sanders said that uh, global warming causes terrorism.
0: Well, we had a um, a terrible spat of these around, or, or, or spate of these around the country. or I'm sorry, around the world over the weekend, did we not? Mm-hmm. Which means I, I'm not up on my Islamic calendar, but something must have been some. Significant moment uh, over the weekend uh, on the Islamic calendar because usually that is accompanied by an uptick in this activity. Uh, but you had the uh, the tragic situation in uh, Egypt uh, with the uh, Coptic Christian Church there. You had really a brutal uh, terrorist attack in Istanbul, Turkey. Right. So right. there were several of these over the weekend and. I don't know what can be said about this that already hasn't been said. I think the American people said a lot about issues like this, in particular, Todd, on November the 8th. And uh, and that is that they, they, they want a government that is serious about recognizing the nature of the threat, as opposed to saying ridiculous things like Bernie Sanders said.
3: What struck me about this is... It, it, coming during the christmas season look around you and look how we treat our children how how we treat our children as christians how the pagans treat their children how and when we use them as tools and yes on some uh, unfortunately sometimes christians do use their children as props of a kind this is demonic it's not Marie Harf lacking a jobs program. It's nothing of the sort. Your, your children are not there to be props for anything, period. The, the, of course, the last thing you do is strap C4 to them. But I think w- there's lessons to be learned for us at home. Our, our, if they are children, ch- truly children of God, what is our bottom line with how they're raising them, how we are sending them into the world to preach what we believe to be God's message? And it should look nothing like even if we're not strapping a bomb to them. It should be nothing like this.
4: All right, got uh, three more stories, uh, all of which we need to get to, I think tonight. Uh, according to Huffington Post, Glenn Thrush, a reporter who was exposed in the WikiLeaks emails uh, sending stories to Hillary Clinton staffers. For approval before publication, will be joining the New York Times to cover the White House.
3: Can I take this one? By all means, journalism all is magical and not at all broken, Steve Dace. That's all I have to say.
0: It, it, it you know what? And I think that that pretty much says it all. And it, it does seem like these, some of these folks just work on this circuit for like the same four or five entities. Have you noticed this, like? To me, it's news if Glenn goes to a place like, you know, Red State. Uh, I mean, that's news. But why is this any different than what he's already going, that much different than what he's already going to be doing? You know, it's and I know this isn't how it works. But if if I didn't know better, I'd almost think these guys just get together, plan all these out and just say, you go work for this entity over here now. And this is how we'll claim we're reinventing
4: ourselves. I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, next story: A uh, Glo- Golden Globe nominees for best drama include Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Manchester by the Sea, Lion, and Moonlight.
0: Pleasantly surprised that Hacksaw Ridge is there, uh, given the director uh, and the controversy that has you know engulfed his life quite a bit since uh, he since Mel Gibson's uh, The Passion became a a force of nature, and and and. When you, when you fire a bazooka across the bow of hell like that, and that movie did. That, that movie's not a, a spitball, a squirt gun. That movie, that was a fully loaded RPG bazooka shot across the bow of hell. It's so well done. Whatever, and this is something I'm thinking about in the world I'm trying to break into now with what we're going to do with a nefarious plot. What, whatever darkness is at your door, whatever weaknesses you are succumbing to or you are prone to, You can rest assured that the enemy is going to seek to try uh, and topple you in those areas in the hopes that by toppling you, he takes your handiwork and craftsmanship down with you. And I think what you've seen happen to Mel's life over the last decade is probably a testament to that. That's why I was encouraged to see how strongly he rebounded. I'm also encouraged that the film industry, given the subject matter of this movie, uh, honored it. Uh, because if you've seen it, it is it is deserving of those honors, Tom.
3: If, uh, I'll answer with a follow-up question. How do you think the Oscars are ultimately a different star in the bar that is remembered? I mean, I can't remember anything the Golden Globes did in any other year. How do you think? They
0: usually follow pretty closely. Um, not always. I mean, it's not, a neat, it's not an exact... Replica, but the Oscars usually follow Golden Globe nominations pretty closely, especially since they've expanded the field of, of how many movies from 5 to 10 that now get nominated for Best Picture. Does anybody know what Lion is? I have no idea. But I've seen Hell, and High, Hell or High Water, too. You did? That's really good as well. That's a really good movie.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. trying to win the argument, we're trying to start one. This is Steve Dace.
0: All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So we started off the show tonight talking the Trump transition and maybe hitting its first snag. But a former advisor, Donald Trump, also a uh, friend of mine, joins us now, Sam Dunberg. I thought wrote an interesting piece about uh, Trump's transition recently for Newsmax. We may get into that as well. And uh, Sam, it's good to have you on the show, brother. It's been a while. How are
6: you? Steve, thank you very much. And i got to just tell you something I just had sent to me, uh, unprecedented, the election that changed everything, the CNN book by Thomas Lake. And the first page I opened, it says Steve Days. Really? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yeah. I'll send you one for Christmas.
0: All right. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. So we are now more than a full month into the transition. Right. And, and your thoughts as somebody who was there on the ground floor of this mm-hmm. that helped get this thing rolling. And do you feel any sense of accomplishment, remorse? Are you nonplussed? I mean, what's it like being you right now?
6: I feel a lot of sense of accomplishment because I feel that uh having dealt and been in contact with Steve Bannon towards the latter parts of the campaign um you know uh Donald was able to win on a lot of the themes that we started out on, and there were a lot of the themes that uh Senator Cruz and uh president elect Trump had fought over about who can actually hold, uh, hold the actual genuine, uh, shrine to it. But at the end of the day, you know, Donald stayed on message for 12 days. I do think the Comey letter did help him, but I still think possibly he still could have won. Although I do, you know, it's, it's very interesting with that Comey letter. I don't know if it's played a big part in Michigan or Wisconsin, but I do know it played a big part in Florida for him to cover that state. But if you're going to tell me that I had a small part to play Steve with, Jeff Sessions being Attorney General of the United States, with uh, Jim Maddog Mattis being uh, Defense Secretary, with us being able to replace Scalia, as opposed to Hillary Clinton, I'll take it. You know, I'm not out here to work in the White House. I'm not out here to profit off this. When I'm out here, you know, as you know, I'm an activist. When I first met you in 2013, and remember, you know, we started having... Then he was Donald or Mr. Trump, come on your radio show before he came to Iowa. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really about making sure that we could shake up the process. And to tell you the truth, as I've told you before, he was pretty surprised about his success going into it. And I think a lot of it had to do with immigration. I think a lot of it had to do with him being attacked by the mainstream media unfairly. I think, you know, his business being boycotted that helped him politically, but at the end of the day, we're we are where we are, and you know it's funny. What I can tell you, without breaking confidences, and you know we talk about this privately, is that you know you're going to play a part in this, and you have played a part in this, and your audience know you play a part of this, and your, you know your opinion is very um, respected there, and I think that you know we're gonna it's going to be a mixed bag, but you know what every I would tell you something else. You and I may agree to disagree on this, and you know I worked for Senator Cruz, and I tried to help him get the nomination towards the lay part. Every presidency, every administration is always going to be a mixed bag. But it is very problematic right now with the Secretary of State.
0: Let's go there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even the ones I ideologically disagree with, politically right. I think for the most part he's made some very savvy decisions. Even the Goldman Sachs people – uh, that's a good way to get a certain element of the uh, of the Republican Party off your back, so to speak. And you you give him positions that are positions of prominence, but not necessarily priority like defense or attorney general or secretary of state is. But this the the, the likely appointment tomorrow of uh, Tillerson is, is something that when you look at the blowback to this, this uh, far be it for me to tell a guy just how he won the who just won the presidency. Uh, maybe he's doing it wrong. But, but I, I don't see any, any ROI in this at all. I, I don't see how this is a win at all. I, I think this is just, he's just expending political capital and has been on the defensive, really, for the first time since November the 8th. So your read on that, Sam, do you think my criticism is justified? And do you think tomorrow he says now he's going to announce the Secretary of State Choice? Do you think that's who it's going to be?
6: Well, first of all, I have no idea who it is going to be. I assume because of all public reporting, that it is going to be Rex Teller, uh, Tillerson. And if it isn't, I know for a fact it won't be Mitt Romney, but then that doesn't necessarily make me feel good because it could potentially be Bob Corker. Um, Rex Tillerson, let's get this off the top because we should say it, is qualified to be Secretary of State. But, however, what I don't like reading, what I don't like hearing, is that Rex Tillerson came to the transition and to, Mr. Tr- and to President-elect Trump's uh, attention because of Condoleezza Rice and because of Bob Gates. Although All right, I let's like- hold
0: it right there. I want to, that's where I want to pick up when we come back because we're up against the break. Sam Nunberg is here with us, one of the original people that helped Trump 2016 get off at the ground floor. More in a moment.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. <laughs> Declaration of Dependence on the Laws of Nature and Nature's God. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here with my good friend Sam Nunberg, who
0: was one of the key individuals that helped launch Trump's 2016 presidential aspirations from the very beginning. And, uh, Sam, you were going into the potential of nominating Rex Tellerson from ExxonMobil right. as Secretary of State tomorrow. And it's not so much his qualifications as it is his associations, and that's where you were going. That's what you were going into.
6: Yes. So I think that let's go over. You know, obviously he is qualified, and uh, President-elect Trump touched on this with his interview on, uh, with Chris Wallace, and he, you know, as our, you know, he has managed these this major company. He's been a CEO of. It's a multinational company. But the but the problem is one. There are other people that you can nominate for this position that are just as qualified. And if you want to go into the private sector, there are plenty of people they should have been talking to way before this. And whether you want to blame that just on Chris Christie, that's fine. But perhaps this is also a problem of uh, rents Priebus and, uh, Pre- and Vice President-elect uh, Pence, you know, that they didn't bring somebody else from the private sector. Number two is I don't understand why you would want to take this blowback. On uh, Putin. And let's make sure your audience understands that he was granted, that Rex Tillerson, the CEO of Exxon, was granted a Medal of Friendship from Putin. And not only was he granted that Medal of Friendship after he entered into a lucrative business deal with one of Vladimir Putin's best friends from the KGB, but he entered that business deal after he had entered a prior business deal where Vladimir Putin basically, against the rule of law, against Corporate international norms had, uh, you know, rolled over him, and I. What I don't understand is when you have people like John Bolton, even a Mitt Romney, whatever you think of him, or even a Bob Corker, why would you want? And you, and if you're interested in getting somebody from the private sector who's run a multinational um, corporation, there are plenty of other people you can do it. And I, and I do also understand. And let's commend the transition here about the, you know taking a proactive position on uh, oil and taking a proactive position on fossil fuel and talking, you know, and looking into, and they seriously are, making sure that we can export our own oil and become the new Saudi Arabia. But along with the fact that today when you have John Podesta saying that he wants the Electoral College to meet with the CIA or intelligence briefers, and Steve, you can correct me on this exactly because I don't necessarily want to read everything John Podesta says, but you under, but if you can see the narrative that's starting with, mm-hmm. which with John Bolton alluded to, this is not good. And look, they're going to be out to get and delegitimize his presidency from the very beginning, because the fact of the matter is, whether or not Donald Trump got more electoral votes than George W. Bush ever did, which he did, and he accomplished a great feat and he won states, which we as Republicans have not won since nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty eight, and he won groups, which you know, as you know I listen to your show every night, you've gone over. The fact of the matter is we also have not had a president win ever, historically, by losing this amount of votes, over two two million votes right now, close to three million, and also losing in that percentile. And they can do a real number on him, and they can also do a real number on him, too, because there's going to be this big fight within the White House between the Steve Bannon faction and between the Wrench-Priebus faction. And I am not a fan of of our uh, current Speaker of the House, and I do believe that he's also going to be a problem, too. So what I would say is I don't know who they're going to nominate tomorrow. I hope it isn't Rex, but if it is, they better get ready for a fight.
0: I said on this show last week that if they came out of this, and the big, to me the big three for your appointments are always DOJ, DOD, yeah. and, and SOS because they have the most power. They, have, they come with their own bully pulpits, not just in terms of policy. And if he came out of this with Sessions and Mattis and Bolton, not even I don't think President Cruz could have done better than that.
6: By the way, I think you could tell your audience now because you alluded to it. That made a big impression on uh, Mr. Trump because that got to him. Well, elect Trump.
0: I, it, I'm just calling balls and strikes. That that if if those were the three people that that President Cruz nominated, I, we'd be writing glowing blogs at every conservative site in the country. But the Tillerson thing to me, I think, is more than a snag. I, I it, they they seem on defense for the first time since they took over. You know him well. I know he <laughs> is. He is wont not to surrender. Because, of the, because he's always worried about the precedent that this sets, right? He doesn't want to settle frivolous lawsuits to encourage people to, to file more. Doesn't,
6: oh, he, by the he, way, I've, I've felt that myself, as you know.
0: I, I do. Yes, you have personal experience <laughs> with this. But I'm wondering, there's going to be a, have to be a time and a place where he's going to have to punt on something. Right. That's just the nature of the presidency and choose a different battle and a different hill to die on. Is this something you think he should punt on, Sam?
6: Yes, 100%. I do not think that he should formally nominate Rex Tillerson. I do not think that Rex Tillerson is the only person that can serve as Secretary of State where it's worth having this fight. I also think in in terms of whether it's fair to Mr. Tillerson or not, CEO Tillerson, the fact of the matter with that leaked article, which clearly came from the Obama administration on Friday from the Washington Post, saying that the Russians not only hacked tried to manipulate to have Donald Trump win, whether, by the way, and I also, by the way, firmly believe in Steve, I hope you agree with me, whether the Russians hacked Hillary Clinton's emails, it had nothing to do with whether or not she won or lost.
0: I agree. To me, these are two separate issues. I think the but it doesn't the, matter. It doesn't it matter. Is. The Russian incur and the Russian incursion is a problem and should be investigated. It should be investigated. But Russia, but Russia, Russia, Russia had nothing to do with Hillary not going to Wisconsin ever. Had, nothing, had nothing
6: to do with the Comey letter,
0: or or Hillary establishing a private email server and then trying to cover up and lie about it for a couple of years. But had in any nothing event, to do with
3: any of that.
6: This is not something you want to enter your administration. In, because let's also remember a couple things. One. First of all, he's not going to get a fair shake from the media, for better or worse. And it's also ironic, because at one point, let's, let's think about this, Stephen, your audience is very smart. They're arguing because he took a call from the Taiwanese president that we're about to enter a war, God forbid, with China. But on the other hand, we should be in a war with Russia, right? I mean, is mm-hmm. that pretty fair to say that that's, you know, they're not, they're not fair to him either way. But to do something like this and say that he is a, um, is a crony of Putin... Also, with the with the idea that as you as you do know that they just announced that they're not going to be holding the press conference to uh, to explain how he's going to leave his business interest, any connection with Russia will be also be used against him. And I no saw doubt. what they did this summer with that the mainstream media, with the Associated Press and everybody against Paul Manafort for better or worse, whether it was right or wrong, they have that is narrative. an
0: that is an excellent point. And and he acknowledged this when he settled the Trump University suits. And, and I think he's got to take a look at the fact that because of his independent wealth, meaning he made it independent of his time in government, that does create a lot of targets for a lot of frivolous or politically driven actions. Sam, we're out of time. We'll do this again. We'll come back and wrap things up here in a moment.
2: You're listening to Steve Dace. Selling out isn't a virtue. This is Steve Dace.
0: All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review, here on the Salem Radio Network. Back here to wrap things up. So, gentlemen, instead of asking you what you've learned tonight, I want to just go back to the conversation we just concluded with my old buddy Sam Nunberg. What did you learn from that conversation? What about that conversation stood out to you? Todd,
3: you may begin. Well, he's still, bottom line, seemingly filled with optimism. I, broadly speaking, that does, I don't think that has described you, nor I, nor Aaron, uh, since the um, since Trump won the election. Um, cautious optimism uh, at best. But th- this was always going to be a mixed bag. And I actually changed my vote on Friday from a C to a B because he seemed to be consistent in staying out of the mud and not stepping on uh, his own feet. But this, this one, not because it's an outside-of-the-box, not because it's a lifer at state, I, do, I, I don't care about that, but this seems to speak... To, if I may, certain potential nefarious designs on the, what government, what Trump wants to use government for personally rather than for making America great again.
0: One of the things that is fascinating about this story, and I think we said this earlier tonight too, Arian, is that we have seen Trump be beyond malleable on everything, uh, on really everything, okay? Except this Russia thing. That of, of all the things to be resolute about, to be resolved about, um, he has been more resolute on this than build a wall mm-hmm. uh, on amnesty for dreamers. I mean, everything else that's come up since the transition, he has shown, at least rhetorically, and in the end, he, he may end up doing like he did with the EPA, right? So, yeah, you know, Ivanka gets to meet with Al Gore if she wants, and isn't she pretty, and that's cute. And then tomorrow we nominate the guy who's the scourge of the global warming alarmists right. as the head of the EPA. But even, uh, even in terms of, of lip service, there has been no—this is the one area where there's been total resolve with Trump has been Russia and Putin. I just find that odd.
4: I didn't want to really go here, but this the conversation that we've had tonight—not uh, only just talking with uh, Sam Nunberg, but the, the conversation we had in, in hour number one—it's beginning to become more clear to me. To 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 people like Donald Trump, people in that world, it just seems like important decisions are just kind of a game. Like this, this whole thing's just kind of a game. We're gonna play this by ear and there's not there's not this serious there's not this soberness it seems like that needs to be present when you're making these just ginormous decisions but to what you said about uh, Trump being resolute on Russia that is very that's really odd really odd to say the least
0: we'll see if it lasts because the heat is on right right now John 317
2: you're listening to Steve 10